Hey everyone, I'm Zach. I'm the lead pastor here at Restore. Thanks so much for checking out this week's podcast. I hope that it encourages you and inspires you, and I hope that you have some community around you to talk through these truths and concepts with. If you don't have community like that, we would love to invite you to be a part of Restore. You can get all the information about our church at restoreaustin.org. We would love to see you soon at one of our Sunday gatherings, and we hope you enjoy this week's podcast. I love that psalm. So beautiful, it's so comforting. But I'll be honest, I struggle with it too. I struggle because during times like these, it doesn't really feel true. Because it says that God is supposed to be keeping us from harm, but but so many of us are being harmed right now. In fact, the Bible is littered with stories of people who loved God and yet experienced harm, even David. The author of this psalm, who was called a man after God's own heart, walked through tremendous pain during his life. The truth is that most of us are experiencing harm right now. Between COVID-19 and the ongoing racial injustice in our world, we live in this time of dual pandemics. In our country alone, millions have lost their jobs. 140,000 have lost their lives. We are living in a world marked by significant issues that we seem unable or unwilling to fix. Everything feels so uncertain. Everything feels so broken. And a question I've often heard over the last few months is where is God? Where is God during this time? Where is this God who David says will will keep us from all harm and, and not let us stumble? Where is this God who is supposed to be watching over us and keeping us safe? Where is God? And if I'm being honest and transparent, I've wrestled with this question too. But as I've been wrestling with it, asking God where he is during this time, I've felt him reminding me of this simple truth. God is with us right now, and he's been with us all along. I think we've just been looking for him in all the wrong places. So I'm going to spend the rest of my time with you this morning explaining exactly what I mean by that. This is week two of a series that we are calling Unchanging. And here at Restore, we are convinced that in an increasingly uncertain world, we must cling to that which never changes. That is God and his enduring character. Last week, we kicked it off by talking about God's omnibenevolence, the fact that he is always good, always loving. Today, we're looking at God's omnipresence, how he is always with us. Because so much of our day-to-day lives are defined by very distinct time and place, God's omnipresence is one of the harder characteristics for us to wrap our minds around. Think about it. We can only be in one time and one place at the same time, but God is in all time and all places simultaneously. When I was in seminary, I took a class on God's character from a professor who'd done doctoral work in philosophy at Notre Dame prior to studying religion. So we kind of brought this philosophical and religious uh, background, these two backgrounds together in all of his teaching. I vividly remember sitting in class one morning and hearing him describe God's omnipresence in relation to both time and place. In regard to place, he said that God's omnipresence means that he is both everywhere and nowhere. 
God is both everywhere and nowhere. God's everywhere in the sense that there is no place in which he is unaware and there is no place in which he cannot use his power. But he is also nowhere in the sense that he is not confined to any singular location. He is everywhere and he is nowhere. Scripture teaches this. It says that God does not dwell in places made by human hands. God himself says, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Could you build me a temple as good as that? Could you build me such a resting place? My hands have made both heaven and earth. They and everything in them are mine. My professor in this class went on to talk about God's omnipresence in regard to time by saying that he is both every when and no when. Now, I know those are made up words, but they do a great job of explaining God's relationship to our construct called time. He is every when in the sense that there is no time in which he is unaware and there is no time in which he cannot use his power. But he is also no when in the sense that he is not confined to any singular time. For example, in order to get to tomorrow, he does not have to go through today. He sees time as a flat surface. He is every when and no when. Psalm 90 and Psalm 102 help us understand this concept better. It says, before the mountains were born, before you gave birth to the earth and the world from beginning to end, you are God. But, O oh Lord, you are enthroned forever. You are remembered throughout all generations. Even the Apostle Peter in the New Testament attests to the distinction between our understanding of time and God's omnipresence when he says, But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. That verse is not a formula to tell us how God sees time. That verse is a metaphor to tell us that God is outside of time. God is in complete possession all at once of both time and place. He is also all at once outside of everything we think of as time and place. God is everywhere and nowhere. God is every when and no when. Now this class, it was one of those wintermester classes meaning they kind of snuck it in during Christmas break in this week-long 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. format. And the professor, his omnipresence lecture, actually took us right to the end of class that day. I don't know how you're feeling right now after that explanation, or if you're even still listening at this point after all the made-up words and the philosophical picture of God's omnipresence, but I'll tell you how I felt walking out of class that day. I felt overwhelmed, and I felt alone. I felt overwhelmed because it was so much information. It was so beyond my comprehension, but I felt alone because even though that explanation of God's omnipresence rang true, both logically and theologically, I'd been taught that our God is personal, right? That he longed to be in a relationship with me, that he was present in my life in a very real way. And this new definition of, of omnipresence had me questioning if all of that was even true. How can I know and love a God who is outside of my time and place? And how can a God who is outside of my time and place know and love me as an individual? Now, at this point in my life, I kind of want to paint you a, a personal picture of myself. It's December 2012 when I'm taking this class. I'm 23 years old. 
I have much less hair on my face, much more hair on my head. I only have one tattoo, and it's not even in a place that is visible. But even though I looked a little bit different at the time, I still had that same kind of angst that I have now, that same questioning, that same wanting to understand and stopping at nothing until I get there, probably even more so then. I didn't sleep very well that night. I remember I, I got up early and left early for class so I could grab the front and center seat before anyone else arrived. So I was, I was fired up. Everyone slowly trickles in and finally the professor sits down to begin his lecture. And as soon as he opened his mouth, I shot my hand up in the air and I exclaimed, excuse me, sir, I have a question about some things that you said yesterday. He's a little caught off guard, but to his credit, he stopped, he called on me. And I think he could tell I had something kind of heavy on my chest. So he even said, go ahead, son, speak your mind. And so I did. I said, how are we supposed to sit here and be instructed about this God who is, is everywhere and nowhere, every when and no when, so that we can then go into churches and teach people about a God like that? A God like that isn't personal. A God like that doesn't care about individual people. A God like that is not with us. A God like that is not caring for us. A God like that is not a God that I want to believe in. A God like that is not a God that I want to go out and teach other people about. And when I finished, he smiled, the biggest smile I'd ever seen on a seminary professor's face, and he said, what a perfect segue. Today, we are going to talk about how this God who is everywhere and nowhere, who is every when and no when, is simultaneously present with each of us in a very real and personal way. Then he told us to open our Bibles to John chapter 1. That's what I'm going to ask you to do right now. If you've got a Bible or a phone, open up to John chapter 1. The verses will also be on the screen if you want to follow along. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God, and God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. That term, the word here, is a nickname for Jesus. That's why it's capitalized in our Bibles and kind of personified by John, the, the author in this passage. John depicts Jesus as this light shining in the darkness, a, a light that can never be extinguished, a light that gives life to everything that it touches. And then John goes on to tell us that Jesus, who is God in the flesh, did something that changed everything. So the word became human and made his home with us. So the word became human and made his home with us. God, this God who is outside of time and place, this God who is everywhere and nowhere, every when and no when, makes his home with us. This language would have been so familiar to John's first audience because this was a fulfillment of a long-awaited prediction coming true. 
See, thousands of years before Jesus came into the world and made his home with us, the prophet Isaiah said, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. You can see that verse is from the gospel of Matthew because when Jesus is born, they remember and they quote back to that prophet, Isaiah. Sitting outside of time and place, our God looked down on the broken remnants of the world he created and he was filled with sorrow because his creation was hurting. His kids were in pain and so our omnipresent God who is everywhere and nowhere, every when and no when, decided to become somewhere and some when. He decided to become human. He decided to make his home with us. And it wasn't the first time he'd done it either. God entered into humanity's time and place when he called Abraham. He did it with Hagar in the desert when she names God, the God who sees He did it with Moses at the burning bush. He did it in the tabernacle with the Israelites at the temple with Solomon and plenty of other times too. Jesus wasn't the first time that God had shown up like this, but it was the fullest time. In Paul's letter to one of the early churches, he says it like this, for in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. Fully God and fully man, Jesus came to make his home with us. And many of you know his story. He lived a perfect life, showed us what being human was always supposed to look like. He spent his time serving and helping people, especially those whom society had deemed unworthy or unclean. Then he laid down his life, allowing those who were in charge to kill him because they didn't like how he was disrupting everything with his radically inclusive love for all people. He was then buried, and on the third day, he rose from the dead, overcoming death and putting an end to the power of sin and evil. But just days before he would die on the cross, Jesus taught a vitally important lesson about himself and about his presence with us that we so often forget. It's found in chapter 16 of John's account of Jesus' life, the same author we were just looking at. Jesus has told his closest friends that he's about to die. And then he says this, very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Because unless I go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. I have much more to say to you, more now than you can bear. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. Isn't that incredible? Jesus says, it's good that I go away because then the Holy Spirit will come and having the Holy Spirit is even better than having me. How is that possible? Well, I think his friends would have immediately thought about another Old Testament prophecy from Ezekiel where he said, I will put my spirit in you. God said, I will put my spirit in you. You see, the only thing better than God with us through Jesus is God in us through the Holy Spirit. Look at 1 Corinthians 3.16. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? Do you not know that you are God's temple? My friends, do you not know that you are God's temple and that his spirit dwells in you? 
He is with you. First, God through Christ made his home with us, and now God through the Spirit has made his home in us. And in times like these, that feel so uncertain, that feel so hard, we need this truth now more than ever. Our omnipresent God is with us through his Spirit. He's with us. I don't know where you've been looking for God in all of this. But I know that if you have placed your faith in Jesus, you don't have to search anymore. You don't have to ask, where is God? Because through the Spirit, God is with you and in you right here and right now. Look, in in times like these, I get it. I I want God to, to show up in a vaccine I want God to show up in a miracle cure. I want God to show up in in COVID numbers dropping rapidly and and everything reopening safely. I want him to show up in the economy bouncing back and people being able to provide for their families. I want him to show up in my kids being able to go back to school safely. I want him to show up in justice and equality for the black community and, and other marginalized people in our world. I want him to show up and help For Yemen, where thousands are dying in a civil war and tens of millions are in need of humanitarian aid, I want him to show up in all of those ways, and I know you do too. But the truth is that God is already there. He is already there. He is already working in and through people carrying the Holy Spirit. God is present, and he is working in every single one of those areas of our broken world right now. Like I said at the beginning, God is with us right now. And he's been with us all along. We've just been looking for him in big dramatic gestures instead of in individual people. We need to shift our focus. Yeah, I I think we should still pray big prayers I think we should still believe that God can do huge miracles, but all of that is so beyond our control. But there is something very much within our control during a time like this. That is that each and every day, we have the power to shift our focus from waiting on God to change the world to allowing God to change us. We must shift our focus from waiting on God to change the world to allowing God to change us. Scripture says, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. My friends, God is with you and he wants to transform you. From the inside out, it's time for us to focus in on the slow and steady work he is doing in us so that he can begin to work through us. If we will embrace this truth that God is with us through his spirit and we will make this shift to focusing on allowing him to work in us and through us, we will start to see just how omnipresent God really is. We will start to see him working all over the place. I'm telling you, God will open your eyes to opportunities for him to love people and serve people through you and to bring hope to a hurting world through us.
This is what we mean when we say we are the body of Christ. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. By his spirit, Jesus is working in us and through us to show people how much he loves them. 1 Corinthians 12 says, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free, but we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit. And we all share the same spirit, that Holy Spirit. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. We all share that same spirit, and through him we are each a part of the body of Christ. We are each a part of making God's presence known in our world, especially during a time like this. That's why we have always been a church that mobilizes people and support to help those in need in our city and around the world. That's why we've been doing our best to love and serve people throughout these dual pandemics. You may not know that during this time, we have mobilized people and support to help almost 1,300 folks in our community through individual volunteering and through the food pantry that we support. Did you know that we've given away almost $20,000 to people in need so far. If you want to know where God is during this difficult time, look no further than what he is doing through you and the rest of our church family. My friends, he is at work. He is moving. He is working. He is serving people. He is loving people. He is bringing hope and a future and life abundantly, even in the midst of this brokenness. And I promise that we will keep giving you opportunities to allow God to love and serve people through you as long as our church exists. That's why we're doing that serve day this Saturday and another one in August. We'll always put those opportunities in front of you. Look, I know it's hard. I know it's a hard time. I know it's a strange time, but keep showing up and keep allowing Jesus to show up through you because yes, listen, our God is so big and so powerful that he is beyond our concept of time and place, but he is also so personal and so loving that he is with us here and he is working through us out there. Whatever it looks like for you, my challenge to you is to embrace the presence of God in your own life and then share the presence of God with the world around you. Let's pray. God, we are so thankful for who you are, for your unchanging, enduring character, the fact that you are always with us. Even though you are so big, so powerful, you are the creator of all things, that you are not bound by any time or any place that you have chosen to make yourself known, to make yourself manifest with us through Jesus and in us through the Spirit. God, I pray that we would lean into that truth when we are plagued by questions of where you are and where are you working, that we would remember that you are there and you are working in us and through us. 
And if we will make ourselves available to you, that you will do incredible things, things beyond our wildest imagination in us and through us. Change the world in us and through us. Bring hope to the hurting in us and through us. Bring help to those in need in us and through us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.